What up, Snapback fam? Welcome back to another episode of the Snapback Sports Pod. On this episode, we talk to Josh Dobbs, quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Josh, this was our greatest interview to date. It was a pleasure having you on. This is our greatest conversation. He is a genius. He is super down to earth and obviously an NFL superstar athlete. So it was sweet to sit down and talk with him about his battle with alopecia, which I have myself, and then about the NBA player's decision to boycott the games today, which led to a bunch of dominoes falling. Please check out that interview. On Abe and I's portion of this podcast, we discuss similar things. What should the players do? It's overall just a great way to educate, learn, and as always, if you guys feel a certain way, please DM us and let's talk this out because the whole message here is that we are on one team and one team only. So, Exciting things coming on the pod in the next couple weeks. For now, this is going to be an educational episode that I hope you all listen to. Snapback fam, new app. The Baltimore Let's get Ravens it. select Lamar Jackson. I'm a Raven. He's on. All year. Every year. Jackson takes it himself. Oh! He broke his ankles! What up, fam? I'm your host, Jack Settleman. Joining me today, as always, my co-host and longtime best friend, Abe Granoff. Abe, dare I ask, what is on your mind today? Uh, yeah, I think I think we know what's on my mind and the minds of everyone in the country right now, essentially. Um, just a few hours ago, the Bucks and the Magic were slated to tip, obviously, um, given what happened in the Jacob Blake scenario or situation. Uh, they didn't take the court in, in protest or in strike or in boycott, however you want to phrase it, and um, all power to them. All credit to them. So let me throw in one note there, and it's something I tweeted out and something that right, 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 has right. to be made say. so clear. is like they're not boycotting this shooting. With, they are boycotting this shooting, but right. this isn't the point. The point is they're boycotting racism in America and you can say that Jacob Blake's a pedophile. You can say he's, he's reaching for God. All of that, whatever you want to think, I guess that's your own thing. You can be racist in your own ways. But they are, they are protesting racism in America, and that is undeniable. Right. The country was built and founded on slavery in this country. And to say that racism or biases don't exist is just extremely naive. And it's sad. I, I want to talk about the 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 crew, the, the the people online, and everyone that's saying, "What will? What does not playing a basketball game do?" And I don't think you're. I think you asking that question, whether you're white, black, but I mean, chances are you're white. Just points to the white privilege that we have. I have white privilege. You have white privilege. Neither of our parents grew up and taught us what to do when a cop pulls us over. That's never happened. But there's a reality where these are conversations that black parents are having with their children because they need to, because they see situations played out like what happened with Jacob Blake, like what happened with George Floyd, like what happens with many other people that you don't even hear about. These are the ones that are getting captured on video. And it's not of what will it do. It's the fact that these guys are sacrificing something whether you think they're millionaires well they are millionaires 
whether you think it doesn't matter or something, they're sacrificing something that they've worked for for an entire year, for their entire lives, and in, in pursuing an NBA championship. They know that based off this, the league will lose less, the league will lose money, the teams will lose money, and thus the players will lose money. That is why we're doing this, or they're doing this. So to say, what will this do? It's it's doing what you and I are doing right now. It's starting the conversation. If you look to the TV, if if the Magic and Bucks game finish right now, we would be having the conversation of, did Giannis choke in the fourth, or <laughs> did he get bailed out by someone else on his team, and the Bucks are moving on to face the Heat. Instead, you and I are looking at our televisions, and there's a conversation going on about the wrongdoings in this country when it pertains to racism and police brutality. And that's what it has to deal with. When when Martin Luther King um, had his famous I Have a Dream speech, what really happened from that in physical action? Probably nothing. But it was a conversation that led to the inevitable, which was disbanding segregation. So whether you think that this is going to do nothing, which it might, it might not. They might go back to playing and it might not do anything. It sparks the conversation because so many of us are waiting on pins and needles for these NBA playoff games, and we're forgetting what really matters in this country and what's going on. Four years ago to the day, Colin Kaepernick kneels. He's protesting not America, not, a, not the American flag. He's protesting racism once again, the, the way African Americans or blacks are treated in the country. Four years ago. And not a single thing has changed. I do believe our generation is going to be the best generation at this. We already speak our minds and have caused more change than probably two generations before us. And we got to weed out the old heads who aren't going to change their minds. And we just got to continue to educate. But four years ago and not a single thing has changed. I can't even imagine. I mean, we're only 24, right? So... This has been going on for 80, 100, 150 years. It's just bizarre. Let me ask you, and, let me a, question. Let me yeah. ask you a question. So you said four years ago. Well, it's, obviously it's a fact. Four years ago was when today, to the date, mm -hmm. to August 26th, is when Colin Kaepernick first took his knee. When Colin Kaepernick first took that knee, did you have any idea, you personally, about what was going on in this country and how bad it was? Because me personally, I didn't. And I think it's that, been a fast four years. As, and I think and I think that points to a fact about what all this can actually do. Because right, now exactly. you and I are you and I are on the airways, not even talking about sports today, talking about what's going on in this country, and people said he's literally just on his knee. Like what is that doing? <laughs> it's creating this conversation so that yeah. you and I can be educated, so that when our generation is old enough to be in positions of power, we can implement that change. We can be the change where it's overriding outdated systems such as the unions and police and stuff like that what's so bizarre to me is every time a protest like kaepernick or a protest like this or the names on the back of the jersey come up every time without fail there's people who defend the they say it's wrong what they're doing they say they're not going to watch the nba they shouldn't do it like this they shouldn't do it like that I just don't understand, like, if you take a step back and you actually just look at the situation of what they're protesting, all they want to do, all black people want, is to have equal rights in America. They get pulled over by a cop, they don't get shot at. Like, I understand the Jacob Blake situation. Maybe he was reaching for a gun. You can take it however you want. But if you really just take it one step backwards and understand that 
we're all on the same team. Like, it feels like there's this other side who's, for whatever reason, fighting back. And I just can't conceptualize why people wouldn't want there to not be racism. Like, I don't understand. And and athlete, athletes in particular, we view these guys as superheroes and think that nothing nothing can hurt them, nothing can stop them. The Bucks are the team that started this boycott. Sterling Brown is on the Bucks. Mm. Sterling Brown had a knee to his neck and was punched by the Milwaukee Police Department for parking correctly. John Henson used to be a Buck. Had the cops called on him right after he signed a four-year, $44 million contract while shopping for jewelry, just to be black. Thabo Sofalosha, whether he was on the Bucks or something, had his leg broken by the NYPD. This is happening to these guys. Doc Rivers, we saw that speech last night after the game. And if you haven't, you should listen to it in its entirety because he speaks from the heart. Just a few years ago, Doc Rivers' house was burnt down. He lost pets because he married a white woman. These guys aren't just these athletic superheroes. They are going through something that Jack and I and you guys, some of you listening, could never even fathom because of how we were raised and how privileged we are to grow up the way we are, when in reality, there's a whole different side of America that not that we don't see, but that some people are choosing not to see. I don't know how much more I have to say. I feel like this comes up all the time, and it's good to continue to educate people. And do I have the solutions? No. And I think that's the toughest part is... Like, I don't know how to fix the police. Is it training? Is it defunding? Is it funding more so they can train more? Is it voting? But then you have a person like Obama in office and you don't see a ton of change like we wanted to see. Okay, so vote at the state level, vote at this level. There's so many ways that we can help. And voting is obviously one of them, petitions, donations, all those things. But it's not gonna be changed in a day. And I think that's why it is so important to protest something like this and to just keep the conversation going because the education level over when I said nothing's changed over the past four years, I mean, holistically, there's not been enough change right in this country where an African-American or black man or woman or child even feels comfortable in the country. But the education of the situation has definitely improved. And I think that's so important and something we absolutely need to keep going on and continuing. Right. And I think what it's, what's important, what you said is you don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. We may never have the answer. But the only thing that we can do, because we don't understand firsthand what certain people and certain um, groups in this country are going through, is to listen to them is to sympathize with them, and is to stand by them. And if you're getting angry at the M- at the NBA for not playing games today, you're getting angry at the wrong thing. You, you, you idolize these guys. You want them on your television screens for eight months of the year, whether you can watch them for your own joy, whether you can bet on them, yada, yada, yada. But there's things that are more important to them than basketball because it's affecting – people that they're close with that aren't these superstars. And I think that's what people get lost in is the fact that even though we don't have the answers, you and I, that doesn't mean we can't do anything. And I think especially you and I using this platform is something is, is listening to everyone, everyone, what they're saying in the media and supporting them. Who gives a shit? They didn't play a basketball game today. (laughs) What does that mean in the grand scheme of things? Absolutely nothing. 
My favorite my favorite response is politics and sports shouldn't mix. Sports are an escape from life. Sports are an escape. I watch sports for entertainment, not for politics. I watch it to escape the real world. And I think the most telling part is that there is no escape for black people in this country. And when you can start to begin to realize that, they don't get to escape. There is no escape. They don't just get to say, okay, all my problems, they go away. That's not a real life thing. And that's why we have to protest. So they are decide. we're recording 6.32 p.m. on Wednesday night, right after the games have been canceled. At 8 o'clock tonight, they'll have a players meeting in the bubble. The NFL is also meeting. The Brewers have canceled their game. No word on the NHL so far. Flyers obviously finished their game. Big W for them. Uh, as far as like what will actually happen with the series, if let's say they just postpone these three games, I'm not sure. I just assume they would play them later. I don't think they would charge the Bucks with a loss. But in terms of what you think they should do, and we'll always preface this with whatever the league and the whatever players the player choose, that's fine. It's whatever they want to do. But we are allowed to have our own opinions as a sports podcast, and we can create discussion and have an understanding. What would you? What do you think they're going to do? And what do you think is like the best route? I don't. I have. I literally have no clue what they're going to do. I'm not even going to try to predict that. But mm. I had this conversation with a friend of mine, Alex Browndorf, today, an honest conversation, and we had two different points of view. But that's fine. It was. A, it wasn't a contentious conversation. But the one thing that that I've liked from the NBA bubble is. The, the platform that these guys are given. I'm not talking about the LeBron Jameses. I'm not talking about the Chris Pauls. I'm talking about the George Hills and the Fred Van Fleets. That if we weren't in the bubble and if there weren't constant cameras on them all over the place, would their comments be making headlines? Probably not. What do those comments do? That's up for interpretation about what you want to do. But I think these players are given a very, what's the word I'm looking for? In a microscope. Mm-hmm. A, a bigger platform than they than they usually are because they're constantly in the view of these cameras in the bubble. So whether they choose to leave the bubble and cancel the season, support either way, of course. But in my opinion, staying in the bubble and using the platform and continuing the conversation, continuing the fact of how important it is to vote in the next two months, how important it is to register to vote, is what's beneficial because you and I are talking about this based off the actions of them not playing they can still do actions while playing in my opinion which is continuing the conversation in post-game interviews stuff like doc like doc rivers's speech was all over the news today before any of the anyone even thought that there was going to be a boycott stuff like that is what we're seeing all over the internet and whether it might not it might not spark any action right away but the conversation are these are honest conversations that need to be had and these guys have platforms and they're using them and that's all you can this is the definition of using their platform and they're 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 sacrificing money they're sacrificing their dream growing up as a child to do so and that is what this country was founded on would would the players meeting at 8 p.m tonight be the most watched piece of television in a very long time like where do you think that well no land? you didn't well no there's people on twitter that are saying i'm not watching the nba well, ever again they didn't but play hypothetically let's say they filmed and they broadcasted the nba players meeting tonight at eight where do you think 
like, would everyone tune in? Would people really not care? Like, could this be an opportunity where, like, Matisse Dibel's, his uh, vlogs, and he was showing Tobias Harris and the conversations around the Sixers, like, they were extremely intriguing, but they were also extremely informational. You get to right. hear it directly from the players' mouths and get to hear the different viewpoints. And I think what could be symbolic is the fact they're all going to work towards the same goal, which is like one player may say, let's finish the season. One player may say, I'm out of here. But I think they both players understand, okay, the goal is we need to stop and we need to have a voice and make a change. So I think it would be, it would never happen, I don't think. But could you imagine how it's amazing an, it's, that would I mean, be? I mean, it's an interesting idea. I mean, obviously, they're never going to do that. But like, like I'm you trying said, to think of why they wouldn't, though. You know, like normally these conversations, they take place behind closed doors because they don't want people hearing all the viewpoints and hearing the conversations. But I almost feel like everything that's going to be said is going to be, I mean, even if they filtered it a little, not filter, but like they did it, they didn't have to do it live, but they released it 30 minutes later. So anything that was said doesn't need to be said, but um, my thoughts on what the players should do. And like we said, they can do whatever they want. However you want to protest. That is absolutely your right. I do believe that protesting, this protest made noise and brought awareness. If they cancel the NBA season, it will make an absolute insane splash over the next 72 hours. And then I don't know if we'll hear about it for a very long time. And that's that's that's, that's what I'm saying in terms of keeping the, these guys yeah. in the bubble and using the bubble to its advantage. Whether Forget basketball. Using it for its advantage. Like you said when we were talking off the air. Mm-hmm. They, it'll make headlines for the next 72, maybe a week. But then when the NFL is slated to start and fantasy football starting, will the ESPN and the NFL lives of the world go to talking about fantasy football? Or will they be talking about the fact that the NBA shut down to protest social injustice and police brutality? Yeah, I think that's why. And then the question is, and this is why I think it would be so intriguing to hear the conversations, is I don't know if they stay now. Like, what impact, what other impact can they make? Because they did the names on the back of the jersey, the Black Lives Matters on the court. They've done a ton of stuff. But how do you continue to up level it? Because clearly, what they did initially didn't make a big enough impact. So now they protest the game. So do you protest the game of each series? But then that's just kind of following a trend. And it, then it doesn't really mean as much. I don't know what the answer is there, but I do. I am a strong believer that I think the best route is going to be staying in the bubble and continuing to use the platform because you could have two million uh, Twitter followers, but you could have four million people watch your basketball game, and then you could do. I mean, even in between each quarter, the conversation could be uh, along the lines of social injustice. I don't. Once again, I think this is the toughest part: is that we obviously don't have any answers here, but. I do believe education and listening. That's what you're keen in on, which I loved. You just got to listen. Yeah, I think that I had a conversation today with one of my best friends in the entire world who we didn't necessarily agree about what was going on in the bubble. He was on the side of what will this do and what's the point of this if they're just going to go back and play, yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. And it's and I had a lot of people texting me just like, why are you – like you guys don't agree. Why are you, why are you having that conversation? That's exactly what needs to happen. 
It's yeah. people with different viewpoints about what's going on need to have the conversations, need to hear both sides so that people who who are on the side of what will this do or why are they doing this can have a level of understanding. Because at the end of the day, 99% of the people aren't affected by this, maybe less. But you know what I mean? It, it's terms of, like you said, you and I don't have the answer, but the only thing that we could do is listen to the people that are being affected by um, social injustice and police brutality, stand with them, and then put people in positions of power by voting, in my opinion, that will that will reshape this country in terms of the systems that have been in place for years and that are outdated. I got a text when the news first happened. It said, this is so stupid. I said, why? He said, I don't agree with shooting the guy, but this dude they shot was a really bad guy. So off the top, not everyone bad in this country gets shot seven times in the back. I'm not. I'm not the, I'm not the. I'm not the greatest guy in the world. Right. You're gonna they put seven. Don't. You're gonna put seven in my back. And then you continue on. I just don't know what this solves, but I also don't have any better ideas to be honest. And obviously, the route we could go with there is humor, make fun of them. We could ostracize them for, you know, why are you so stupid? You don't get it. Or we can understand that the gut and immediate reaction, everything everyone's been taught that comes from that thinking, they, they just don't get it. And that's really okay that they don't understand it. So now the goal is it's on us. Put the pressure on yourself to continue to educate through a calm manner. And it's just like I wear this bracelet on my wrist and it says, be nice, be happy. And it's silly, but it's just like such a simple concept. Like that's crazy. That that's crazy. You wear that and just offline, you're just like a dickhead to me. <laughs> but yeah, when it comes to sports, total asshole. But when it comes to life, it's like I could watch, like the Eagles could beat the Ravens in the Super Bowl. I could be at the lowest point of my life, and Abe could be teasing the absolute piss out of me. But the second something serious happened that game would be out the window. Like, if I got shot seven times in the back, football would not matter. It could right. be the, the Eagles are kneel, about to kneel out the game. If they suspended the game right there, I think they would understand. So it's pretty simple. Educate, listen, learn, vote, and then just be nice. Like, I don't understand how the American dream was like, you come here and everyone is trying to, like, do amazing and now it's like, eh, we got to keep people over there. We got to keep people over there. Like one team, one dream. That's right. It. And I think I just want to close by saying if there are people listening to this that <clears throat> that have a differing opinion from Jack and I or that think we're very off base or something, DM us. I've FaceTimed with I, I would love with to hear five your five or eight people on my Snap channel that just like immediate swipe up. They're just like fuck you, you're an idiot, like, you have no clue what you're talking about, and a lot of that is Twitter fingers, a lot of them, they're like, oh, I didn't think you would respond, okay, so when we weed those guys out, then you get messages from people, and and they're like, this is why this, and I'm like, all right, let's FaceTime, and let's chat about it, and let's understand both right. viewpoints, and that's what I was doing today, I was posting everything that was happening, and I have people responding like, you're an idiot, you're, I'm like, I'm, first of all, I'm literally posting tweets, and this is the news. There's no opinion. The fact that the Jack news... Is literally, Jack is literally the mainstream media. <laughs> like the, I'm, I'm taking Woj's tweet that says, Game 5 of Bucks uh, Magic is canceled. I post Fuck it on my you! Story. Fuck right. you! <laughs> They're like, you're an idiot. I'm like, 
what? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> and it's just, everyone is, they're very triggered. It's a very, times are tough. It's heightened tension. But, like, we just are all in the same freaking team, man. I feel like we got Earl Thomases all over the country. Yeah, I mean, bottom line is there's not just one pandemic going on in this country right now. There, There's two. And if you're blind to that, that's what you need to, what Jack and I are saying, you need to listen, you need to educate, because there's a lot of things going on that you might never experience in your entire life, but your best friend or your neighbor or someone else might. And it, it, it doesn't hit home until it does, plain and simple. No doubt about that. All right, fam, like Abe said, please, I mean, genuinely hit us up on Instagram, on Twitter, you know where to find us. And just shoot us a message. If you feel differently, like, that's fine. Because the only way we're going to educate ourselves is if you tell us where we're wrong and where we need to learn. And once again, I'll close with this because this is how I feel. This is not a protest of a singular shooting. A singular shooting, yes, caused this protest to occur, whether or not this person was a great person, whether or not the cop believed he had a gun or a knife, all of these things. The... The protest is of racism and social injustice in America. It is that simple. And it's not it's not just the the George Floyds, it's not just the Breonna Taylors, it's not just the Jacob Blakes. There there are many, many others in in the middle of those that we don't hear about because maybe they're not caught on camera, they didn't make the news. It's not just these guys. This is an ongoing issue and it's on us and our generation and Jack started the Snapback fam to reach the new generation of sports fans. And hopefully that new generation of sports fans that we talk to every Monday and Thursday could lead the change for future yeah, generations I think that's of the, America. That's the best part is like, I can say, I love all of you guys listening and we can disagree and you can think a certain thing and we can right. disagree. But like, I don't hate you because you disagree. I mean, if you don't think Lamar Jackson is a lead passer of the football, that's a different conversation. I hate you then. But when it comes to this, like, you can feel, I think that's why sports are so special because we can disagree on so many things and then understand it is at the end of the day, it's a game and we like to have fun with it, even though sports are miserable. Sports suck. All right, fam, uh, a quick little ad read here. And I guess it's kind of fitting because it's more education on what not to do. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. Once again, this comes from the NHTSA. We read, I read about drunk driving last week. Driving high is the same thing. Just like it's extremely selfish. It puts other people in danger. Whatever you want to do on your own at home, I'm not going to tell you what to do and what not to do. But when you are putting others at risk, that's where it is not okay. So please don't drive high and have a good day. All right, fam, we are welcoming a special guest today. It is Josh Dobbs of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're happy he's with the Jags because I grew up in Baltimore. I'm a Ravens fan, so thankfully we avoided that. But what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. What's up? Thanks for having me today. 
No problem. Sure. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah, appreciate it. And it looks like uh, you have a nice place in Jacksonville. I do, yeah. You know, um, it gets nice and hot. I, you say you're a Ravens fan up in Baltimore, so spent time with your uh, arch nemesis, the Steelers, for a couple years. So humidity is a little different down here, but um, Florida living's not not too bad. I can't complain too much. That's, should I get my girlfriend in here? I've been trying to convince her for years to move to Florida, and she claims it's not the place to be. I, I don't know. If you, if you can withstand the heat for like two months – it's paradise. I can't lie. Like January, it didn't get below like 50 or That's 60. That's the dream. Sun's out That's every day. That's the dream. Can't complain one bit. Cool. So I think for uh, the audience who doesn't know your story, you have alopecia, which is similar to myself. And we had Charlie Villanueva on, which was super awesome to hear him. But with September coming up, that is actually National Alopecia Awareness Month, which when I, before I talked to foundation, I wasn't even aware of that. So I think making people aware that yeah. that is the month for awareness is a great first step. But uh, we want to we want to learn more about your story as it relates to sports, you know, growing up playing rec sports and mm -hmm. high school sports. And now in the league, like I'm sure you have some funny stories and some stories that people definitely need to hear about. Yeah. So I actually started um, playing football by like tackle football by accident um i began playing <laughs> sports sheesh at the age of like four started playing baseball mm -hmm. um football i started when i was five so i grew up an only child um so like sports were my way to get out of the house hang out with my friends and you know my, my parents um weren't big like sports people so like, my mom played softball growing up i think my dad played a year of football in like the seventh grade <laughs> and then kind of called it quits after that so, you know, I kept missing the sports deadline because they never played sports. They never knew when to sign up their kid for sports. So my mom put me on the wait list of like every sports for like the fall going into kindergarten. <laughs> and she gets a call. Um, it's like two days before football practice. The lady says, hey, uh, your son, he made the list. Um, please have him come pick up the equipment today for practice. I'll practice this tonight. So she has my dad take me to get fit it for equipment and everything. And like, they're thinking like flag football, like what's in these shorts, shirt, we show up at this shack and they're giving us like helmets, pants, um, shoulder pads, the whole shebang. Um, and my dad like didn't really play football. So we had no clue how to put the football pants on. So I ran out <laughs> looking so out of place my first day of football for sure. Um, but I mean, I started playing, I played football based on basketball growing up and Shoot, I played, I played, this is my 20th year in a row playing football. Um, so it's been a long time coming. Um, but I think, you know, the stories, the memories, you know, growing up, um, every year I just kind of, I always wanted to get to next year, be the best in my grade. You know, I had the big, obviously the big dream of making it to the NFL, but I just really took a, a year, step at a time. And it culminated to going to University of Tennessee, playing football there, and then, getting drafted to the Steelers. And now it's like a blur. I'm going to my fourth year in the league, you know? So it's, um, it's been a process, man. It's been a journey. Um, but, you know, football has definitely has opened up a lot of doors for me and given me a lot of experiences to meet various people, be in various rooms, organizations. Um, so it's, I definitely have, I definitely owe a lot to the game for sure. That's awesome. Right. I'm, I'm curious about, cause obviously 
football and and sports in general they come with some harsh realities in terms of the fans that are the, they don't mean anything personal to you but mm-hmm. they're they're passionate about their team they're passionate right. about their fan base and you growing up with alopecia and having it now i'm curious about how maybe that's impacted you in, in your sports career yeah I, um i became mentally tough really quick i'll, I'll tell you that <laughs> you know i went through everyone's alopecia journey it's been great to meet so many people with alopecia by going to events um mm-hmm. i think you know but the biggest thing i've learned is like everyone's alopecia journey is so different but in everyone's journey with alopecia it really helps you you know just it, you learn so much about yourself you learn so much about just simple like self-confidence and how to just be yourself in a room where other people don't look like you speak like you act like you but to be you and to stand out and even though you are different like that's that's a good thing, you know, and that's what makes you unique. Now I went through having alopecia, losing my hair. She's like in the heart of college. You know, when I got, when I was graduating from high school, uh, my eyebrows were getting to fade. And then when I got to college, uh, every time I would go get a haircut, less and less hair would grow back to the point by the time, like after my junior season, I ended up just shaving uh, my head. And so, you know, playing quarterback for the University of Tennessee where, you know, in Tennessee we're loved and in just about every other state we're hated. Right. You know, you get all kinds of memes, tweets, um, you know, college game day signs. Um, you're on the bus right into the stadium with the opposing fan signage. I mean, everything's there. And, you know, the biggest thing I learned one is, you know, just be you, you know. Uh, I can't control the fact that I have alopecia. Um, but by having it, you know, I think, you know, I learned a lot about myself in those moments and just how to be me, how to understanding, you know, ignorant people, uh, from the standpoint of fans, how to understand, you know, even though they want it to be personal, it's not personal and not let that affect my self-confidence and what I think of myself. And then, you know, just how to embrace being different. You know, I think it's great. It's been great to have the platform of having alopecia and going through it when I did, because, Whenever I thought I was feeling bad, you know, I would meet um, nine-year-old girls in, in Tennessee who were bald and worried about going to school with wigs. You know, I met my friend Cade, who um, I think was like seven at the time, who, you know, refused to wear a hat no matter where he went. And I think, you know, looking at how alopecia affected them at a younger age and then seeing their reaction when they saw someone who was a public figure or is a public figure who has alopecia and is dealing with it, but is also, you know, using this platform um, to spread the love and to spread good energy. I think I saw how they, how it brightened up their day for just meeting me. Um, I think those moments are what kind of helped me push through it and to this, to now where I'm, you know, just used to it, accustomed to it, but also blessed to have it. And it's been a part of my journey and it's part of who I am as a person. Yeah, I think what you said is awesome in the fact that the, your first comment when I asked you that question was, I learned a lot about mental toughness and, and, and self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And in a, in, a, in a day and age where people are scrolling and double tapping and your clout is about how many likes you're getting, right. that's that's something that is very important to learn at a young age. And and Jack, your your alopecia journey started far, far um, earlier than Josh's and I think that's something that, I mean, I grew up with you, so I saw you go through it, but a lot of people didn't. A lot of, a lot of people now see you as the snapback guy and as the million followers on Snapchat, but they don't know about the 
the hardships that you went through as a kid and what both of you have gone through, obviously I can't understand, but it's very, it's awesome to see how that shaped you now with your confidence. It's a lot of mental. And I think you took all the positives from it, which I appreciate, obviously, having gone through it. Charlie Villanueva, same thing. And it's just important. That's why we wanted to have you on the podcast. Speaking of using your platform, the NBA players, they decided to protest, boycott the games today. There's some rumors that the NFL are going to have conversations, stuff like that. Um, You know, just I guess where do you stand on all of this where where are your feelings about all of these things yeah I well I actually just had a conversation uh with the lady I've worked with kind of for like community outreach about this and, you know it's just it's just so such tough times you know it seems like you just look at this year in general it seems like every week we turn around and there's something new to kind of really (laughs) really, to really discourage you right you know whether it's shootings protests coronavirus you know everything seems like we've seen it all um where i stand for i think one i think is really important for whether you're an athlete and you have a large platform or whether you only can affect the 10 people you see on a daily basis, whatever your platform is, I think it's important to utilize it. So seeing the NBA um, teams in the heat of a playoff race, find time for social justice and to stand up for something, I think that's crucial because it shows everyone that, you know, this is just more than, for them, it's more than just making money. It's more than sports. I think what's also been powerful, like watching several of, you know, the big time players like CP3, they had a big win. Um, over Houston a couple of days ago. And now post game, the first question he gets, he turns it right on to social injustice going on. So that's, that's crucial. So I think using your platform is crucial. And I, I think, you know, when we look at everything going on, the protesting, um, the consistency with it, like there will be change. And I think the key is with that, with you're giving protests, you're reaching out to people to vote, but also don't forget about reaching out and impacting the youth. You know, we want to see change and change is going to come in the future. So how do we create change? The biggest way to create change is to impact the youth, whether you're creating diverse situations for the youth that you're involved with to be around different people, different races, color, ethnicity, background. I think that's where we'll see the change over time. So we have to stay consistent. You know, it's hard when you're in the heat of protests, you're in the heat of raising awareness for social injustice, and then boom, another social injustice act occurs on the forefront of social media. Um, But you can't get discouraged, you know? You you gotta continue to work, you gotta continue to continue to spread the message, you gotta continue to reach out in your immediate community, show empathy, show love, and just allow people to understand different people's situations, be immersed into different environments, because that's the only way we're gonna create change. I think we are making steps in the right direction and the key is to stay consistent even when adversity is thrown away. I want to double down on exactly what you said of using the platform. So we have big platforms. You're in the NFL. I have a bunch of followers. But I think what you said and tell the 10 people or the three people in your family because the biggest takeaway is that Races, you can't be born racist. It's physically right. impossible. It's taught, right. right? You learn racism. 
And therefore, if I change my family's view and educate them, and I change those three people, and 10 of us do that, it's 30, but it's also generations and the youth. So use, use your entire platform, even if it is three people. So I think, I think you, you hit that on the head. Like, what, like, so for instance, like, you know, as you said, you know, racism is something that's taught. It's not something that you're born with. And the key is by, if we are continuing to pour into our youth, continue to find ways to immerse them into different environments, you know, you're taking that kid from whatever family, whether he's a black family, white family, uh, interracial family, whatever it may be, you're taking that kid, you're putting him in a situation where he's involved with kids of various races. So if he's not learning at home, you know, how to treat people equally, he's being able to put in situations that his parents aren't putting him in and then he's being taught the correct values. So when he grows up, he's able to learn, he or she, excuse me, when he or she grows up, they're able to see that my parents were wrong. And this is how I can be different. This is how I can make a stand in my family line. So I think you hit it on the head, using that platform and staying consistent with it, because um, that's where we'll see the change. Right, and it, it doesn't even stop at, at having the conversations with your family. It, it's mm -hmm. you have to have the un, uncomfortable conversations. I just did it today with some of my longtime best friends. Friends are Beyond, brutal. Yeah, the I long mean, time. It's tough. The long, you the, have to do it. You have to have the long time conversations because if you just agree to disagree, that's not that's not changing anything. Right. You know what I mean? That's not educating because Jack and I had a conversation before this. Whether we, whether people believe it or not, Jack and I are white privilege. We both talked about how we never grew up and were told how to act when you get pulled over by a police officer. And that is the utmost definition of white privilege. And the only thing, we don't have the answer. And, and frankly, you don't have the answer. Right. But the only thing that we can do is listen, have the conversations, and like you said, be consistent with it. The biggest thing you're doing right now, you know, you're identifying or you're at least just you're at least just reflecting on the fact that this is our situation, you know, and there, there is a race, there is a portion of our population that has different situations, has different occurrences and have a different mindset. And you're opening your mind to seeing yourself in those shoes. And that's the step that you guys have the right mindset. And that's the step that everyone needs to have for there to be change and for us to take steps in the right direction. Absolutely. And we'll continue to use the platform. We hope you do as well. No Let's way. shift gears a little. Let's try to have a little fun. Um, the QB room in Jacksonville, like you got that man over there who's your teammate who just seems the most ridiculous person in the world. And then you seem like a calm, tame, mentally tough guy. I mean, what's the dynamic in that locker room? It's uh, we have a we have a fun dynamic. Um, you know, it's it's really just guys that love football. You know, I think that's the beauty of the game. You know, it brings people together from different backgrounds, um, different upbringings, different college situations, whatever it may be. It just brings people together that love ball and love the game. And no matter who you are off the field, you know, when we get in that locker room, when we get on the field, we love ball. We love to go out and compete, have fun and win at the end of the day. So we have a unique room. Uh, we were kind of, it was funny. We were talking about all of our off season I guess endeavors, you know, I was working for NASA and he yeah. drove an RV cross country, right? So we were, <laughs> we, were, we were talking about all of our off seasons endeavors, but yeah, it's fun. You know, we have a really good dynamic, a uh, good bunch of guys who love ball and trying to win a lot of games for the Jaguars this year. Have you, um, I'm just going to be blunt. Have people made fun of you for being a nerd in the league? <laughs> 
between oh, between your between your nerd four is o. in in 2020. Nerd bro, is in. No, that's just that's just me being jealous that I didn't get a four out. But like that's for fair. people that don't know, explain explain what you did for NASA. So um, I studied aerospace engineering in college. Um, I got a minor in business. So this off season, I interned down at Kennedy Space Center in NASA. So I spent a month down there, you know, and just seeing kind of the launch complexes, uh, shadowing various aerospace engineers, seeing what they do on a daily basis at Kennedy Space Center. And then culminate, I looked back down for the SpaceX launch um, a couple months ago as they launched astronauts from the first time from U.S. soil since 2011 back to International Space Station. So, yes, I do get uh, the, the nerd card a lot, but, hey, I'll rock it. So I'm not complaining. I think do it's think, do, Go ahead. Right. Do you think you'll be the first quarterback in space? <laughs> That's a, a good question. Of, that is a really good question. I was getting recruited while I was down there. It was, um, you know, they had me, so they had me um, do a little bit because it was like astronaut uh, signups were coming up. So they said, it literally said, hey, I'm Joshua Dobbs, NFL quarterback. I just put in my astronaut application. I hope you do too. So I read it. I didn't pay anything attention. I said, wow, do you guys just trick me into <laughs> That's crazy. So maybe we could see, you know, I think, you know, Leland Melvin, he was um, a former NFL player and is a current astronaut. Um, so I got a chance to meet him um, during my time at the SpaceX launch and hear his story and kind of hear how he made the uh, transition from football to um, NASA. So, I mean, there have been guys that kind of come before me, but I think I'll be the first quarterback if that's something you know, I try to take on as my next challenge. It's. I feel bad for NASA. Like everyone grew up, I want to be an astronaut. Now they got you selling astronaut applications. Like who doesn't want to? I would go to space. Hey, would you go to space? I don't bugs me. Bugs me out. You don't space, think so? thing. Space, space in the ocean, not my thing. Those aren't your thing. The two. The well, two all right. Let me. Let me. You, you want right. a fun fact? You want a fun fact? Well, obviously, space is unknown. <laughs> but did you know that? I tell this to people all the time. Did you know that? Obviously, the ocean covers seventy percent of our Earth. But we've only discovered five. Everyone knows yes. that. Eh? <laughs> that's still a scary fact. That that's is, terrifying. Like I think the ocean could be scarier than space. I think so too. Like there was um, I, I was on TikTok and there's this guy on TikTok who does all the ocean facts. And some of the animals he explains, I'm like, yo, I will never no. jump in the water <laughs> ever again. I already don't go to the beach, but now I'm really not going anywhere close. Wait, you li- you live in Jacksonville in Florida, and you're not a beach guy? I live in Jacksonville, Florida. It took me uh, six months to go to the beach from the time I moved here. So I'm not a big beach guy either. I'm, I'm a huge beach guy. So much sand. Huge yeah. beach guy. So what hot. do you do in your free time? I know I've seen you playing chess, which I'm trying to get a match because uh, right before COVID, I was actually pretty heavy into chess. I've taken some time off because I can't actually play people. What's your like rating on chess.com? Chess.com. Do you know what it like is? Nine. Wait, that's a thing? Yeah, that is a thing. Yeah, that's like, like how you would measure up against the average uh, chess player. I'm, I'm not going to look up my rating. I don't even remember nine. what mine was. I'm a 950 right now, and I'm kind of on the upward slope. I've been playing well lately, so we got to get a game. It's been fun. That, that's, that was like one of my quarantine, uh, I guess, like hobbies to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cool. Like, we have a new offensive coordinator and QB coach. We had a new offense down here. So as I was, like, learning chess, I was learning a new playbook. Like, it, it really – I feel like it uses very similar parts of your brain. And just has helped me and just my as a quarterback, like my pre-snap process and having a process, decision-making process. So 
I've enjoyed it. So we'll, we'll have to get we'll have to get a game in. I've been as nice. you can see, I've been playing on a Zoom. That's been my way to play against people. Zoom and uh, Instagram Live. So I'm gonna keep like I'm gonna keep up the competition. I, I might have to uh, I might have to learn. But um, so you're in your fourth year now, obviously, uh, fourth training camp. But this camp is obviously a little different. Does How, it feel like that? You know, the NFL is 15 days away. Like, it's not. Does it, it feel feels, like that? No, especially not having preseason. Yeah, it feels right. like it's just like college camp. Like it, it feels it feels weird. But we're close. Like we have a scrimmage Saturday, and then we're basically into game prep. You know, like we're right around the corner. How is how is the camp in in general? Like, because it's obviously very different given yeah. the situations. You know, honestly, um, obviously this is my first camp in Jacksonville. It's my last mm-hmm. year in Pittsburgh. But from like a normal feel, like it's felt like camp. Like, given the circumstances with the health precautions that have to go on, you know, outside of getting tested every day, it's felt pretty similar to camp. You know, we practice every day, get a, a day off a week. Um, so it's been good. You know, it's it's progressed. It's been obviously different where, you know, usually you go two weeks in camp and then you're getting ready for a preseason game. Now we're like two and a half weeks into camp and have a week and a half left <laughs> before we're getting ready for another game. Uh, so that's right. kind of like the difference. So it feels more like a college camp than a professional camp, but it's been good, you know. Uh, it's been good to see the strides that we've made as a team, um, especially as an offense. You know, we have a lot of young guys, couple of new receivers, um, you know, so, but guys are learning the system really quickly and making plays in practice. So it's really exciting to see. And um, hopefully we'll hit the ground running. We play the Colts week one. Love that. This is my favorite thing that Ava and I discussed on the pod is like, we try to break down sports. Our highest level of athletics is like high school athletics and barely that. Uh, well, I guess some some intramurals at college, but yeah, I, okay. I almost I, I lost in the championship of IM basketball. Right, that Tough. there you go. So, Couldn't get over the hump. So in that, Abe is always saying we're gonna throw different looks at them, and that's in reference to the six. Like that's the most cliche media thing to say. No, you got to you got to win the line of scrimmage. Right. You got to win the line of scrimmage. You win the trenches. You throw different looks, but I'm now curious. Like you got the new offense, and you're a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, when someone throws a new look at you, what's that like? Now you think, you know, with the chess, you're starting to break these yeah. things down better. But is that actually, like, for – you're in your fourth year, but even someone like Gardner's second year, how much of a difference does that make? Uh, it makes a huge difference. You know, I think usually, like, in your preparation, you can pretty much game plan or at least see most looks that teams are going to throw at you. Um but at the end of the day, you know, they can kind of come out and play whatever game plan they want. So you kind of have to read and react. You got kind of have to play ball at the end of the day. So, um, you know, a lot of people say they're going to throw different looks at you. I will say, like, the only disclaimer is, you know, at the end of the day, it's still football. You know, it's still they have 11 guys to defend your 11 guys. and play some sort of sound coverage or there's going to be people wide open. So you kind of have a sense, general sense of, you know, even if you see an oddball coverage, you know, usually those are one or two times throughout the game. Um, so, but not, there's some, there's definitely some um, intelligent defensive coordinators out there that are, that I, I swear just spend all their time just drawing up crazy defenses. So uh, we've seen a couple, you see some practice defenses out there, like cover zero on the 30 yard line. 
uh, coming out. It's like, yo, you got 70 yards to think you're going to be cover zero on the first down. You know, so you see it. You see some stuff you might not see in a game. But at the end of the day, just like chess, you know, you just got to be ready. You got to have a plan, uh, read, react. And then they just trust your instincts and play ball. That's what it comes down to. Right. So, so Jack and I, we pride ourselves on not being the media. Like mm-hmm. we don't, we don't like to twist it's your ass. Honestly, the most football talk we've ever had with an NFL player on the pot. Normally, is we never talk sports with our guests. Right, but what we do, ever. what what we do do is when we have a guest on, we try and you know get a quote, pull a headline. So I need you to repeat after me. Okay. Obviously, that obviously the NFL is in a is not in a bubble. It's in a very interesting situation. Repeat after me. The NFL will start and the NFL will finish. <laughs> the NFL will start and the NFL will finish. Abe, that's, that's all perfect. he went for. I feel like he knew. I feel he but just did it. it for NASA, and that was an easy. All right, one. here's another gone, one. Here's another one. Here's another one. I got the Jacksonville Jaguars will win the AFC South. I like that one. Yeah. All right, he just said it. <laughs> oh, you put me on the spot. We're, 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 we're going to spin the shit out of that. Yeah, that's you just – you start emailing everyone at Bleacher Report and ESPN. Josh Dobbs guarantees Jaguars will win Super Bowl. I swear he said it on the podcast. See the key, see, and now that's the key from the player standpoint. You never get into guarantees now. That's what you exactly. always – Right, but tomorrow, tomorrow when this episode comes out, it'll go from what you just said to Josh Dobbs – admits on the snapback sports podcast that the Titans defensive backs are trash. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know. It'll, it'll be every, something like that. Every word twist possible is coming. coming. But, but what we do, what we do is we warn you, we're going to tell you we're going to spin this so that we can get clicks. Hey, so, clickbait, nothing's wrong with that, right? There exactly. Go. It's I'm all with, about clickbait. I'm, I'm with it. That's good energy right there. There you go. How much of the league are you like invested in? Like you said, you'd love to play football. Like how mm-hmm. interested are you? I'll always talk about Lamar Jackson because it's my favorite player ever. Um, I've been a Ravens fan for a long time. We've been very good for a long time, but never in my life have I enjoyed watching the Ravens. It's normally just painful, like watching us scrap together wins. But watching Lamar play is special, and then hearing the way players talk about Lamar when they named him number one player in the league is like NFL players are at all of another person in their league. You rarely hear that. Yeah. What's it like to just be in a league with him, Pat Mahomes? Like, are you a big fan of the other guys in the league Carson or are they just Lance. coworkers? Carson, no, you're, you're fans of other people game for sure. I think, you know, that's like, it's really cool um, because, you know, you, you see like the number there's however many NFL players, but, you know, for the most part, like, we know each other. You know, most of mm-hmm. us played against or with each other in college. In the QB world, you know, we all went to the same Elite 11 camps or the Peyton mm-hmm. Manning passing camp, you know, in college. So to see other guys that you've come into the league with, that you've known since high school, be successful, you know, it's fun. It's fun to watch. Um, you know, my big thing, I kind of – I just enjoy watching a couple guys' games, like on Fridays when we have, like, a chiller day and kind of the game plans wrapped up. So you can just see kind of what they're doing, how they're generating plays, big plays, uh, what their reads are like, watching their highlight reels, get ideas for what to incorporate into your game, you know. So it's fun. You know, it's it's really a fraternity, you know, the NFL. Obviously, everyone's competitive, you know. You know, you're not, not I'm sure, you know, whenever we play the Chiefs or we play the Ravens this year, you know, that Sunday we're not out there. I'm not out there rooting for Pat or Lamar. <laughs> a big game against us but um we're all we're all uh fans of each other's games we respect each other but in the day you know it's competitive you know we still want to win even when we're competing 
Did you grow up a fan of any specific NFL team? So like, I'm from Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. So I grew up in like the Mike Vick days. Uh, so you remember? I'm, so you so you so you remember vividly when my Eagles beat your Falcons in the NFC Championship bro, game in 04? That's that's what you gotta bring up. That that's what you wanted to bring up. He's an well, Eagles fan. Like ha, you know how. I mean, I could I could have you know I could have brought up the. You're from the, Jersey. Edit. You're not from Philly. Bro, I'm from 15 minutes outside of South Jersey. But anyway, I could have brought up the the Julio Jones breakup in the divisional round a few years ago. We won the Super Bowl, but you exactly. So I so. went. So I went for <laughs> way back. That's but, um, that was a tough game. But I will say I was a fan of Donovan McNabb. So I wasn't. I wasn't really. <laughs> yeah, I watched. I watched him throw the ball at people's feet for ten years. He That's was crazy. amazing. Give Donovan, him a he, was great. Was, he was great. Donovan he was like great. the best QB you guys have had. Carson Wentz is really good, but Donovan McNabb, he's a legend. Him, To that team. That team was so good. So fun team to watch. Team was fun. Yeah, team was fun. played on a broken leg. I yeah, know. incredible. What can we do? Yeah. Josh, See, like, so... see, like, there's there's the harsh Eagles side. Yo, I will say we played the Eagles. Um, in preseason, like two years ago, when I was in Pittsburgh, and we beat them. You guys are, you guys are, you're the fans in there are crazy. It's a preseason game; the game doesn't <laughs> count, and they're they like they're flicking us off as we're leaving the stadium. To go to no, the they're sickos. It's a threw, sickness. We, no, dude, Philly, we threw, it's a we sickness. Threw, we threw snowballs at Santa Claus. <laughs> Like, like that's Santa. Everyone Gosh, loves Santa. I went to I. We did a vlog. I went to Eagles Cowboys and Week 16. We were playing. The Ravens were playing the Browns, so we were wrapping up the one seed. So I wore my Ravens jersey because I didn't. I wanted the Eagles to lose because I hate Abe. But yeah. like I didn't. I didn't. I. They told me if you wear a Cowboys jersey, you'll actually get physically hurt. So I wear the Ravens jersey, which should not affect anything. Different conference. <laughs> don't play that year. There's a 12-year-old kid chirping me next to me. Fourth quarter of the With his game. shirt off. With Season, his shirt right, off. Shirt off. It's in December. It was snowing line, that game. And he's mm-hmm. chirping me about wearing a Ravens jersey. They're just – they're the that's most unreal. brutal people in the world. But that's why and to we that, – And to that, I say thank you. <laughs> they like, we it. take We take pride in that. Josh, so the Astro thing, I just sent Abe your Snap story because I, I like to follow you on Snap, and I saw the hats. What yeah. what's up with the what's up with the hats? Or so, what is Astro? Is that right, so Astro is like it's kind of like a nickname. I got a friend, a new. This one's a new hat, actually. It's sick. Let me see. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna need one. Yeah, that's I, what I, I, I sent to Abe. I was like, we've had two podcast guests who I've ever actually wanted their stuff. DJ Moore, he came out with some fresh stuff. He hasn't hit us back yet. And then we saw your stuff that we actually really liked. I got you. I'm gonna send some your way. I'm gonna send a couple of hats. But where Love it came that. from? So when I was in school, obviously having alopecia, I started wearing hats early. Mm. So I was like, all right. Um, and it took me a while to figure out like hats I like to wear. Um, and so I got a nick- the nickname of Astro while I was at, at University of Tennessee, obviously combining engineering, football. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like Astro. It's kind of always stuck. Um, so as I've gotten into the league, you know, I, I did I spent some time with Fanatics. And one of the things we got to do was we got to get with a graphic designer one day and kind of just learn how to create our own local logo or our own emblem. So from my time there, Astro, wearing hats, you know, I was thinking, like, I wear, like, a lot of other people's hats. And half the hats I wear I don't really even like yeah. wear them because I want to wear a hat. And sometimes yeah. – so I was like, I can I can make my own hat. So I really started probably at the end of last season, like, working on the logo and everything. I did some, like, preliminary 
hat designs, a couple of different colors, just to try and see how they looked. I liked them. Then I um, got with a guy um, in, named Case in Knoxville, um, who does a really good job with creating emblems, screen printing, making logos, um, patches. So I was like, okay, so I worked on the hat, worked on the patch. The patch looks dope, got a couple of different options. So I said, I'm just gonna make my own hat. So I'm just gonna see where it goes, but they're about to drop. So I'll probably in the next month or two, I'll have some official Astro logo hats out there. And you guys, you guys will be in the first batch. I'll make sure. Let's go, let's go, let's go, hat for, let's go, let's go. Yeah, hat for I, hat. I didn't even tell you. So we had Charlie on and it was part of promoting the snapback sports hats, which we sold out of. And we sent, uh, we're sending like a thousand bucks to Alpecia awareness foundation. So let's go. that was cool. And I have an extra, I'll send one to you uh, before we let you go. I want to bring up one thing because it's the nerd in me, as I was told. So at the beginning of COVID, I started talking all about sports cards. Have you seen any of the sports cards craze that's been going, going on? I follow Gary V and he's yeah. been posting. They're, they're going yep. crazy right now. Crazy. So yep. I've been, you know, I've been stacking up on Gardner a little. I've been stacking up on Lamar, a bunch of quarterbacks in the league. I'm going to have to check in on yours, but I just wasn't sure if you heard anything about that because I know like, What's crazy is there's a, a business behind it. And yeah. CJ McCollum apparently like talked to Gary V and they made like half a million dollars in sports cards in like a month or something. So I know you guys always talk about like the fraternity aspect and you're sharing business tips and secrets, which I think is such a valuable part about being the NFL. I wasn't sure if that's fully made it into, into those circles yet though. No, it's, I don't think it has, um, but it's something to keep your ear to the ground on. Cause I mean, it is a thing, you know, just, and we, especially us, like we signed a trillion of them when we exactly. get drafted. So um, I think Do we you all sign them every year. Uh, so how it works is like when you come out, you sign them and you can continue to sign them if you want, mm -hmm. but you know, some, it's not really fun just being off day signing 20,000 <laughs> uh, <laughs> cards. You know, that's not always enjoyable. So, it all depends on if that's what you want to do. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Cool, man. We really appreciate it. Make sure let's shout out your socials real quick because my favorite social of yours is Twitter where in your bio, it says you're a certified rocket scientist, which is like certified. the craziest thing ever. <laughs> um, you know what? Wait, you know what? The second we hang up this call, I'm putting certified rocket scientist in my Twitter. <laughs> I feel like you didn't earn that. You definitely did not earn that. Well, too late. <laughs> Uh, where can the people find you, Josh? You can find me uh, Twitter, Josh underscore Dobbs1. Follow the Certified Rocket Scientist account. Insta is probably my favorite. Um, Josh Dobbs, nice and simple. And I'm on Snap, uh, Dobbs11. So those are probably yeah. my three go-to. So come check yeah, me out. I got to talk to your people. I got to talk to them about getting you uh, verified on Snap. I mean, you're I know, like a I, professional football player. Like, yeah, I kept my snap low-key for a while. It's kind of just my, my getaway. It's a, but, it's a good platform. It's the best platform to be on. So um, Yeah, it's growing for sure. I need to, I need to, I need to step and, it up a little bit in my snap game. I got you. All right, man. We really appreciate the time. Be good. We will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Perfect. Jack, Abe, thank you All guys right. for having me. Hats coming your way. I'll send you guys some color options so you can check them Appreciate out. Appreciate you, man. We'll, we'll be in touch. Take yeah, it easy, Abe, Josh. Abe will shoot you the Instagram DM with a nice message saying thank you, as he normally does. <laughs> Say and no I, more. And, you, and, and you'll see my bios. <laughs> <laughs> Peace, Josh. See you Peace. guys.